welcome to the OCR Underground Show. Each week, you get the latest research, training secrets of top coaches, and everything you need to crush your next obstacle course race and finish burpee free. Here's your host, SGX coach, Mike Diebler. All right, what's up, everybody? This is SGX coach Mike Diebler, and thank you so much for tuning in to the OCR Underground Show, making it a part of your training routine. If you want to check out any links mentioned in today's show, check out the show notes at www.ocrunderground.com slash episode 43. Well, this episode was actually supposed to come out right around Halloween, and it is just about Thanksgiving, so it's crazy how fast time will fly. Uh, I've just been on the road like crazy. In the past two months, I've been to Vegas, Chicago, uh, Minneapolis, Philly, Milwaukee, and most recently Phoenix, and I had a, a speaker school in there as well, so it's just been absolutely insane, and then when I finally got through all of my travel, I got hit with a pretty nasty stomach bug, so I'm finally out of bed and just want to sit down and, and get this out, so we're going to get cruising again. So. Um, to, to get this started off, I wanted to talk a little bit about 2018 with, with this season pretty much over, a couple more races this year, but I know a lot of you are probably starting to think about 2018, and I've talked about this before, but I just wanted to kind of reiterate some things that you should be thinking about to help you dial in your next season. So first off, you want to think, what do you need to get better at? And I know it's not always fun to think about our weaknesses or what we struggle with, but we're only going to be as strong as our weakest link, and you really need to take a step back and see what what gave you the biggest issues. Maybe it was your running. Maybe it was your grip. Uh, maybe it was all of the above. And there's a, a lot of things you, you feel like you need to work on, and that's okay. We just want to pick what is holding you back the most, and we want to start there and really make that your priority for this next season, right? Our off-season, off season, it's not ignore everything else, but we really want to make an emphasis on improving those things. So really take a, a second to look look back and see where you struggled. Maybe it was from cramping. Maybe your flexibility is not there. There's so many things that we can really improve, but we want to focus on that weakest thing first and then uh, really make it so it's no longer the weakest thing. And then you can work on anything else that you you think you need to make uh, progress from. Uh, The other part of this is sometimes you get stronger by removing things from your program. And, And sometimes you have to think about what what if I took something away, would it actually make me better? And I know this is hard for some people to really grasp, so I want to take a second and and really talk about this. So what if there was something in your program that it could be a weakness, but maybe it's if you do it right now, it actually isn't going to be the best thing for you. And let me just use a couple examples to make that a little bit more clear. So running is obviously a huge part of your training for your race, right? If, If you're not good at running, you're going to have a hard time. I work with a ton of runners, not just with OCR, but just 5Ks, 10Ks, marathons, half marathons, um, recreational and and more serious. And sometimes running is actually making them worse. And I know that that sounds really weird, but what if there was something about your running that was actually causing an injury or making an injury worse and making you compensate, leading to injuries in other places? So sometimes we have to look and see are you doing this thing that we're talking about properly? And if you're not, is more of that thing going to necessarily make you better? So if you have really bad running form and you keep running with that really bad running form, we might hear practice makes perfect, but it's really that deliberate practice makes perfect, that that perfect practice or near perfect practice is really what's gonna make you perfect. 
Um, otherwise, you're going to get better at the wrong things. So to use kind of an extreme example, running is obviously a one-legged activity, right? You're jumping from one or stepping from one leg to the other. What if you're really bad on one leg? What if I asked you to balance on one leg for 10 seconds and you couldn't do it without being super wobbly or, or even falling over? You couldn't even keep that leg off of the ground. More running isn't going to, to fix that. You actually need to get better on one leg by incorporating balance drills, doing more one-legged exercises, um, and then work on your running, right? Or let's say squatting. This is another really common one. A lot of people out there are poor squatters, and they might think that, hey, I need to squat more and it'll make me better. But if we use the analogy of reading, if you couldn't read and I just throw a huge book on your desk and said, get to work, we need to start practicing reading and you just look at these words that make no sense, maybe it's in another language, right? This isn't going to help you get better. We need to find out why can't you read this book? Maybe it's because it's in another language and you need a book in English. Or um, maybe you can't see the words on the page and you need glasses. So we need to fix those things first before you start reading. Or you don't know how to put words together and create sentences, right? So we have to take a step back and work on those things. Then we build up to that book, right? Squatting's the same way. If you're a bad squatter, chances are more and more of it is going to get you really good at being a bad squatter, which is exactly what we don't want. If you can't squat properly, we want to look, well, why can't you squat properly? And there's a bunch of reasons why that might be. Maybe you have really poor ankle mobility. If you don't have good ankle mobility, you're not going to be a good squatter. There's no way around it. You can fake it, and you're going to get in trouble when you fake it, but you, you won't be able to squat properly. So until you get better ankle mobility, more squatting is just going to get you better at hiding the fact that you have poor ankle mobility, or maybe you have tight hips. Maybe you have poor core stability, and it's just practicing. You're not... Um, used to that movement so we have to do drills to improve that core stability so you'd actually if, if you suffer from something like this and I'm not saying you have to be a perfect squatter we just need to make sure you're adequate so you don't have any of these major compensations that we see when somebody squats and if you're not an adequate squatter you might actually have to take squatting out of your program I know that sounds hard but this is what's going to get you better. You're going to get good at the things that you need to get better at in order to be a better squatter. And then you add squatting back in down the road once you've cleared your ankle mobility up or your hip mobility or your core stability or whatever it might be. I'm not saying you can never squat, but if you are squatting, it's going to be with better, um, better movement, better quality versus just practicing the movement over and over again being sloppy about it. So we want to be very deliberate with this. Uh, same thing with running. If, if And being able to balance on one leg is only one part of it, but there's many aspects of running that if you have these compensations that develop, more running is actually going to make things worse. And uh, runners are one of those things that most of them are injured or dealing with injuries, and they have a hard time with backing off, and sometimes that's exactly what they need. So so I know I'm going on a little rant here, but these are the things I really want you to think about going into next year. Number one, identify your weaknesses and make that your strength for next year and really focus on how can you get better at those things. And number two, realize that sometimes to get better at something, you need to take a big step back and that might actually mean removing something from your pro program. Something as big as like squatting or even running, if those things are actually enforcing bad movement then it's only going to make you worse by continuing to do those things. So um, I, I know this can be a difficult thing, and obviously this is where a coach comes in handy, but really take a look at um, if there's something that you would actually get better by removing it, really working on the essentials to be better at that one thing, then slowly start to integrate it back in. Uh, but hopefully that makes sense and gives you a little bit of structure for, for planning over planning for the 
2018 season. Um, but I know some of you still have a few races left for this year. So really just be smart about your training, do the best you can, and, and hit those last races uh, to the best of your ability. But moving on to this week's episode, as usual, we have some great stuff for you. First up, we have SGX coach Allison Rosales from Fit Body Bootcamp Foothill Ranch, and she's going to give us a Spartan Race recap for the uh, Beast and Sprint that was at uh, Big Bear Lake a few weeks ago. In our research review, I'm going to discuss foam rolling, and specifically we're going to talk about some research on uh, vibrating foam rollers and whether they are any different than regular foam rollers. And then finally, in our coach's corner, I have on SGX coach Sarah Posdol from the Chicago area, who's going to give her, us her insight into OCR training, and she's actually going to talk all about her new book that just came out, uh, Cruise the Course, Volume 1. And I do want to uh, give a heads up and apologize for all the issues that happened during the recording of this uh, interview with Coach Sarah, from sound issues to phones ringing in the background to actually trick-or-treaters coming into my studio and just causing a huge ruckus. So a lot of editing had to take place to get this out. So I hope it all came out, but uh, Sarah was awesome and a great sport about this. So just wanted to apologize for any issues that you might hear throughout the recording. But let's get into this week's episode. Hey, this is Trainer Allie, Spartan SGX coach with a Spartan race recap for the Big Bear Lake course in Southern California. This was no doubt one hill of a race and probably one of the toughest races I experienced with 4,000 feet of elevation gain and 1,200 feet of vertical drop. It was no joke and one you better be trained up for. The course starts out at the bottom of a ski slope at Snow Summit, going straight uphill for the first three miles, dropping back down again, only to shoot straight back up again, and so on and so forth for the majority of the 12.2 mile course, leaving not much in between but obstacles. The obstacles were pretty standard for Spartan Race, however, with the extreme ascents and descents, the obstacles took on a whole different feel. A bucket carry is no surprise, but two bucket carries along with a sandbag carry up a vertical slope is a game changer. And the sled pulls facing straight downhill required more muscle power and endurance than for other courses. I suggest watching carefully for the placement of the obstacles, such as the Z-wall. It was set on a slope, making one side of that Z-wall much easier to maneuver through than the other and gravity not being your friend at that point. Be sure you prepare for this course by training on hills, hills, hills. Work to strengthen the posterior chain as well as the quads. And when running downhill, be sure to use a quicker cadence with shorter strides for less impact. Of course, reaching those stunning views of Big Bear Lake at the top and running down the mountain bike trails made the course incredibly enjoyable and a definite bucket list event. I'm Allison Rosales, also known as Trainer Alley, owner of Fit Body Boot Camp in Foothill Ranch, California, turning ordinary people into incredible athletes. You can find me on Facebook by searching for Trainer Alley on the Spartan Race Coach Finder page or online at www.ocfitbodybootcamp.com. See you out there on the course. Aru!
In this week's research review, I want to talk more about foam rolling, and I know we've talked about this on previous episodes, and it's something that hopefully you're currently doing pretty often, but I do want to explain a little bit about foam rolling and a little bit about what people think it does, but it actually doesn't really do. We often hear self-myofascial release uh, in conjunction with foam rolling, and you hear people talking about breaking up scar tissue and things like that so muscles can move better, and sometimes the the claims that we hear with foam rolling are a bit exaggerated. Uh, I'm, I'm not saying I don't recommend foam rolling because I definitely do. I've talked about it before, but the responses from foam rolling are a little bit different than what people think. You're not really getting in there and breaking up scar tissue and adhesions and trigger points and things like that. It's more of a nervous system response where you're actually um, getting the muscle to relax a little bit so it has the potential to move better. But in terms of scar tissue and and breaking up things like that, you need somebody to get in there that's manually trained to do those things, whether it's with their hands or with special tools that they can actually get in and break up that tissue, um, which I recommend that as well if you have some issues that a foam roller is not really uh, solving those those problems. So uh, with foam rolling, it lots of benefits uh, like decreasing the neural drive to the muscle so it can relax and, and move better and allow you to stretch more, but it moves fluid around, it moves muscles around, uh, moves blood around, helps circulation. It does a whole bunch of great stuff. Uh, so I, I wanted to talk about this study that looks specifically at foam rolling in general and vibrating foam rolling. That's uh, Foam rolling industry is obviously blown up and you're seeing all these cool and crazy tools out there and vibrating foam rollers is a pretty popular one and because of the nervous system response that we see with foam rolling it makes sense that vibrating foam roller might enhance that because not just pressure uh, stimulates the nervous system but also vibration so if you combine the two pressure and vibration you might actually get a better um, better result from it but in this study from the journal of sports rehabilitation in 2017 what they did was they broke subjects up into three groups. One was a regular foam rolling group, one was a vibrating foam group, foam rolling group, and then they had the control group that did no foam rolling. So what they did was they measured knee range of motion, so they would do prone knee flexion, they would just have them lay on their stomach and bring their heel towards their butt and measure the uh, degrees range of motion that they had there. Now, um, once they did that in each of the three groups, they had them foam roll. So group one used a regular foam roller and they rolled the quads for two minutes. Group two did the same thing with a vibrating foam roller. And then group three just did nothing. They just sat there and, and rested. Um, then they retested after two minutes. And what they found was the vibrating roller saw an increase in seven degrees. The non-vibrating foam roller saw an increase in five degrees and the control group saw, actually saw an increase as well in Two degrees, so not a huge difference there, but um, there was not a significant difference between the vibrating and the non-vibrating foam roller. But there was a significant difference between both of the rolling and the control group. So basically, saying that uh, rolling, whether it's a vibrating foam roller or non-vibrating foam roller, was better than not rolling at all for increasing range of motion. And on top of this, this study actually looked at one other thing, and that was a pain point threshold. And basically, they were looking at discomfort levels and having the subjects report on how comfortable or uncomfortable they were while foam rolling. And if you foam roll before, you know that it can be very uncomfortable depending on how tight you are, how many issues you might have in that muscle. So they actually found that with the vibrating foam roller, there was less reporting of, of pain and discomfort compared to regular foam rolling. So this, it might be beneficial if you notice you have issues when you foam roll and it means that it hurts and you want to get off there sooner and don't allow um, 
yourself enough time to get the real benefits from foam rolling, you might want to consider something like a vibrating foam roller that might actually help uh, decrease the discomfort level so that you'll roll for longer and get more benefit from it. So pretty cool study, I thought. So make sure you're foam rolling though, regardless of what, if it's a vibrating or non-vibrating. And as always, check out Mobilitas, one of the sponsors of this show, and check out some of their foam rolling products at yourjointsshouldnthurt.com. And unfortunately, they do not have vibrating uh, foam rollers yet. I do know that they're making some, but they're not available yet, but you can still check out some of their, their great products. All right, guys, so welcome to our Coach's Corner, and I'm really excited for our guest this week. Uh, she actually wrote a book that's going to be out soon, so I wanted to get her on here. And I've been following her on, on social media for a while now, and she really posts some just cool and interesting uh, exercises and really just spins on exercises that I'll have to admit I've, I've stolen and used for myself and, and with my clients because they're just unique. And when I heard that she wrote a book, I wanted to get her on here and talk a little bit more about it. Um, so I have SGX coach Sarah Posdal on here. How are you doing today? Doing well, Mike. Thanks for having me. Oh, my pleasure. And thank you for joining me on Halloween. This won't be released on Halloween, but happy <laughs> Halloween to you. Thank you. So we'll get through this so we can get our kids out and get them uh, getting that sugar that they are dying all day for. <laughs> um, so uh, so let's let's get in. Let's start before the book. Let, let's talk about uh, OCR racing and, and just what brought you into this world. I just always like to hear what what kind of dragged other coaches into it. All right. Yeah. So uh, back in 2011, I found OCR when a friend of mine invited me to participate in a local race here called Gladiator Assault Challenge. Uh, instantly I was drawn into how do I prepare physically for the sport? You know, um, it's definitely something I had never done before. It's crawling, it's jumping, it's maneuvering through technical terrain. Like, how do I do this? So, uh, I started looking for a program that would teach me more about it. Uh, that's where I found the SGX program, uh, the Spartan SGX program and flew out to Georgia in 2012. Uh, I was the first certified trainer here in Illinois and then just have continued to expand my knowledge with different certification programs in fitness, uh, the obstacle specialist certification, uh, CrossFit I went into with a level one, level two cert. And then um, I've been really getting into mobility practices and how they can advance your training because um, I, I think it's super, super important. But that's how I initially got into it. Uh, then in 2012, uh, that was the certification. I started to plan my own SGX program out here in Illinois uh, and got further into the SGX program within Spartan Race. Uh, 2014 was when I worked on site for Spartan Race, and that's truly, truly where the inspiration to um, help other people at a different level uh, happened for me. So I was able to witness um, some extremely uh, motivating changes within individuals who came on site. And I know people know what it feels like to cross that finish line and like <laughs> accomplish something they didn't think they could do. And working on site, again, I was able to go with racers through the course, um, specifically on something called a, what we called it a sweep heat. So I would follow the final racers through the course and I would encounter a couple of different scenarios and I'll share two with you. One was, um, 
finding a group of around six people who all entered the course for different reasons, whether it were a death in the family because they told they were couldn't, you know, they hadn't exercised in a long time, but they all had that common goal to cross the finish line. They showed up with friends, mind you, who somehow <laughs> ended up leaving them on the course, but they found each other. And the amount of support that they offered each other, not only, um, you know, physically, but emotionally to continue to push on and just not let any of these obstacles they faced on course, like hold them back from crossing that finish line was a true, true inspiration. Um, down in Texas, I met a gentleman, Matt Martinez, and he had spina bifida. Um, I found him about three quarters of the way through the course and actually another SGX coach, Sydney. Uh, Sidney Paul Morris, I believe is how his, his whole name is pronounced, mm -hmm. but he was on site also. We found each other um, and found Matt and helped him through the final few obstacles. And I remember coming up to a hill and it was a sandbag carry. And, you know, I asked him, I said, what do you want to do with this, buddy? And he said, you know, put the sandbag in my backpack. And I looked at him mm -hmm. and I was like, are you serious? Are you serious? And he's like, yeah, throw it in my backpack. I got this. So he starts climbing up the hill. And, you know, by the time he made it back down, he did the whole thing himself. He fell down a few times. He he was bleeding. He was tired, um, but it didn't stop him. You know, he got down from that obstacle, and then we approached a barbed wire crawl where he did it all himself. He had no problem with it. We went under the dunk wall together, and the final obstacle. And I have photos of this, and it's just—it was an incredibly inspiring uh, scene. But you know, we came up to the rope climb, and this is when the rope climb was still in water. And you know, I asked him again, "What do you want to do with this?" And he said, "I already know that I can't climb this rope." He goes, "But I want to hold on to it for 30 seconds." And, you know, everybody around just stopped and we're like, whatever you need to do, like, we're going to get you there. So we walked into the water and sure shit. Sorry. <laughs> That's all right. <laughs> sure, sure enough. Um, you know, he, he reached up and he grabbed onto that rope with everything he had and he lifted his body up there and we were in the water just holding him. And, um, you know, what it meant to him to be able to do that was incredible. You know, like it, it meant the world to him to be able to do that. And he got out of that, that, no water puddle and he looked at the finish line and like he took off sprinting like sprinting <laughs> and 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 hollering like it was just the uh this life-changing situation for him and i got to be a part of it and i'm mm -hmm. so blessed and honored to be able to do that um but you know situations like that um being able to to help other people definitely drove me to want to do it um you know, in my hometown, because of course, as a mother of two, I can't travel forever, right? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> it wasn't, wasn't going to work. My babies need me. Um, mm -hmm. So, you know, I came back and opened up the training facility here. And uh, again, I had to walk away from that in May. And, you know, everything happens for a reason. And, and now I'm able to take everything that I've gained from, you know, the races and past history with exercise. And, you know, I've been watching my mom since I was like, I got to say five or six years old back in Portland, Oregon, she used to teach <laughs> aerobics <laughs> and jazzercise with like the neon lights on the walls and the jazzercise socks. And like, I used nice. to watch her do that. You know, she inspired <laughs> me. Was little. So now I get to apply all of it. And, um, yeah, that's where this, uh, new project, this book that I just created kind of came from and I'm just going for it, man. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And I, I you know, it, it sounds, uh, incredibly noble what, what you did and I think the cool thing about obstacle, obstacle course racing is that we have that mental side of it and we have the physical side of it and a lot of what holds people back is is the fear or maybe unknown that they can or cannot do it and you mentioned you're going to share two stories so I do want to loop back 
and have you talk about that other story because I think I know which one you're going to talk about um, because it's not just the physical limitation that people see here and a lot of it is that mental side of it and how having somebody help you through it can really you know make an incredible difference there. Absolutely. So yeah, that was just on course. So when I opened the fitness facility, of course, we had our SGX program there. And uh, this is where the, the mental piece that you just talked about comes along. I had an athlete, uh, first time in the door, was very hesitant, very timid on participating in general. You know, And she said, I, I really want to participate in an obstacle course race. I don't really know where to start, but I'd like to come. So I invited her to come to a class. Her first class, she comes in and she stands in the corner and she crosses her arms and she looks at me and she says, I'm not going to do that. And this was our rig time, so we'd have time to go through the monkey bars and practice those types of things, transfers, whatnot. And uh, again, she said, I'm not touching it. There's too many people in here. I'm not going over there. Um, and I encourage her just to come over by the bar for a second. Somehow I got her over there. I didn't have to drag <laughs> her, but it was pretty close. Um, and I got her over there and I said, you know what? Go ahead. I just want you to touch the bar. I literally just want you to take one finger. I want you to touch the bar. And I poked the bar. And I was like, okay, you do it. And she did it. And I looked around and I said, okay, no. Is anybody looking at you? And she said, no. And I said, okay. So I want you to hang on the bar. I want to see what we can do. I don't care if it's one second. I don't care if it's two seconds. If it's 10, great. Tomorrow it'll be 11. Like, let's just hang on it and see how far you can get. So she hangs on the bar. And I hang there with her. And we stop and we look around. And, you know, again, no one's paying attention to what she's doing. If anything, if they see her taking a chance, they're going to cheer her on. And she didn't understand that mentality yeah, yeah. yet. That mentality that I'm, you know, and we all know that you see, mm -hmm. especially in Austin racing where we just support one another um so she did end up hanging on the bar there and little by little by little you know she got more encouraged to try things that at some point in time in her life you know she she didn't feel she could do um she explained to me that she was used to getting made fun of you know growing up a little you know a little bit overweight she wasn't active she just wasn't used to it so it goes back to that fear of the unknown right um, or fear that someone's going to make you feel, you know, less than or that you can't do it. Um, so that being said, I got to partner with her for her first CrossFit competition this year. Uh, we took third place in the competition. She was elated. Um, she did her first obstacle course race this year and is now a part of my, my everyday program. And yeah, and it's, it's funny that you, you mention how um, that, that fear of other people watching because, you know, regardless of obstacle course racing or just fitness in general, people have that mentality, you know, just fear of going to a gym just because they think people are going to be looking at them. And when you get there, you realize it's not this big, scary place. And, yeah, some people are jerks and, you know, ignore those people. But... 99% of the people are there for themselves and they're not going to be looking at you. And it's the same at the race. What you're going to find, again, 99% of the time, it's the people that are going to cheer you on and help you accomplish something that maybe you couldn't have done on your own. You needed that little push. And, you know, those people that you feared that were going to be mocking you, maybe you had a bad experience, like you mentioned, they're the ones that actually helped get you through it. So I, I think that's such a cool story because it's very relatable to most people that are um, at least struggling to take that first step and actually start one of these races. Absolutely. And so I used to tell everyone who'd walk into my facility and I'll tell everyone I meet in the future, here's something to think about. You know, maybe you haven't been active for your whole life. Maybe you're not familiar with the right way to perform a certain movement and whatever else. But guess what? Even 
the professional athletes, the people who have been doing this for years, at some point in time knew nothing. Mm-hmm. Everyone at some point in time knows nothing. So just because maybe you haven't been born into uh, the fitness industry, you haven't been an athlete your whole life, you haven't experienced obstacle course racing, it doesn't mean that you have to shy away from it, mm-hmm. right? You just have to be okay with where you're at. Start somewhere and focus on that small progression. If you are 1% stronger tomorrow than you are today, that's progress, right? Exactly. Awesome. So let's get into this book because I know you have been working hard and this is a a big passion and you've put a ton of work and effort and let's, let's dive in and talk a little bit about it. So this is Cruise the Course Volume 1, Find Your Fire, correct? Yep. Yes, sir. Awesome. So, um, so this first volume, tell us a little bit about this book. What, what can we expect from it? Um, so it's funny. Everyone says, I can't wait. I didn't know you could write, Sarah. <laughs> I can't wait to read this and this and that. And I, and I say there's a lot more doing than there is reading in this book. There's definitely some topics covered that I feel are important to obstacle course racing uh, to consider other than just, hey, I'm going to lift weights. I'm going to prepare my body physically and how to move. So there are a couple of things in here I call brain breaks. So in between, uh, and let me take one quick step back, there's 50 workouts to perform um, that will help someone prepare for an obstacle course race. All of them have a target focus um, in the way that they were designed, and I'm not going to dig too far into that. Mm -hmm. But uh, in between every 10 workouts, there's something called a brain break. Uh, In volume one, we talk a little bit about energy expenditure. We talk about breath control and the importance of it, things people can do to focus on that. Um, and I can explain, you know, why I think that's important. Or you can just, you know, read it, read it in the book and you'll have yeah. something to practice on. Yeah. Um, you know, so that's kind of the, the gist of it. The idea is that someone has a physical reference in their hands to where they can perform one of these workouts, say it's number 23, you know, and they have uh, a friend or family member across the U.S. that you maybe have a common goal to participate in a race together next year. But maybe you don't have that accountability piece. Maybe you don't. Maybe you do. But, hey, I'm doing workout number 23 today. Like, let's start training together, Mm -hmm. right? And they can perform it. They can compare things. They can keep each other on track. And that's it's not to say everybody has to have a training partner. You know, this is something that's going to be beneficial for an individual. Uh, It can be beneficial for groups of people. It can be beneficial for coaches looking for new training uh, ideas. Um, But that's... That's kind of the gist of the workout piece of it. Uh, it is going to be beneficial for someone who has participated, you know, in one obstacle course race. It's going to be beneficial for someone who's looking to up their game because I think, you know, as a coach, you know, whatever you put into your workout is what you're going to get out of it. And everybody mm-hmm. has their own training level and where they're at, mm-hmm. you know, so um, there's definitely going to be benefits to that. But for the people who are competitive, there are specific fitness tests and workouts throughout the book where they can submit scores to an online leaderboard. So they'll be able to compare scores with other people across the nation and kind of, nice. you know, allow the, com- the competitor to come out. Um, mm-hmm. I always say you're competing with yourself, but there are those people. <laughs> oh, <laughs> like, absolutely. Yeah. <laughs> like, um, let's see. I think, I mean, that that's kind of what this is all about. So Perfect. This so, is... and, and this is um, more of like a, you know, when we say book, it's not 
I, th- I think the people that you're trying to reach with this don't not, not that they don't want to read, but I think there might be that action taker type where they want to sit down, they want to get the facts, they want to get the knowledge, but they want to apply it. And that's often the missing link when we read a book. A lot of times you read a lot, a lot about theory, especially like with coaches, we're, we're trying to le- read the new techniques and all these other things. But bottom line is I, I want to apply this. And mm-hmm. that's what it sounds like this is. It's a resource that you have the information in there, but you're going to be able to apply it right now or, yeah, or whenever absolutely. you're ready to get started. Yeah, there's not too much thinking that someone has to do, like how am I going to train? I mean, I've the, the idea was to take any knowledge that I have in the fitness industry about obstacle course racing, movement patterns, how the body works, like what's necessary to um, – you know, train for specific things like a rig, right? That's a ton of grip strength. There's so many grip heavy obstacles nowadays. So how am I going to incorporate that into a training plan? Someone really doesn't have to think about it. You'll be able to take a look at the workout and say, oh, okay, that, that targets grip strength. Cool. I want to do that today. And then next week I'd rather more work on just running or improving on my aerobic capacity or something, you know, Mm -hmm. and Mm -hmm. they'll be able to pick a workout that targets that specifically without having to really think about it (laughs) cool cool so yeah yeah. is it not as much as like a day one day two day three it's more of here's the focus of these types of workouts here's the focus of these what do we need to work on absolutely yeah it's not a progressive program so you see a lot of programs out there um and again i have nothing wrong with progressive programs i think i told you i have a progressive program for the beginner called couch two course which will be available in spring. I, I had it back in 2015, and it's getting revamped and will be available then. But this is more for people who need to target a specific area of training, mm-hmm. um, and they want to just continue to improve. Uh, there's a lot of varied work-to-rest ratios and things and, and you know, using different types of equipment or, again, different focuses. And uh, it's kind of just... You open it, you pick what you need to work on, you do it, and then there's a, an area for you to write down your score and the date that you performed this specific workout. So in four months, you want to come back and say, hey, how did I do at workout number 18? Okay, well, now how am I going to do at workout number 18? So there's that measurable change piece, you know. Perfect. We go back to I want to see progression. I want to feel progression because it feels good mm-hmm. to see that. Um, so it gives the opportunity for the, the reader to actually see that. Yeah, and that's – that's a missing part on a lot of people's program is kind of those benchmarks where mm-hmm. they just jump workout to workout to workout to workout and they might be seeing progress like their workout might be going great um but if you're not going back to test to see and it doesn't have to be necessarily a one rep max or kind of the traditional testing just some type of benchmark to help say i used to be here now i'm here what i'm doing got me closer to my goal yep and you have the opportunity to do that with every single workout okay perfect and so you, you mentioned uh, equipment there. Is this something that they need a ton of equipment? Is it kind of substitutions in there? How does that all work? So there are workouts designed specifically to include no equipment, right? So awesome. just body weight movements um, because we don't always carry those things in our back pocket. You know, mm-hmm. you're leaving work and you can't get home. I've got something that's all strictly body weight. And then There are others that uh, you will need some type of weighted element. I've worked with a few partners in this book to offer discounts on some specific products for weighted elements, for grip strength, um, you know, some gear mobility practices, 
mm-hmm. things of that nature. So people will be able to find that. But the answer to your question is minimal equipment necessary, something for grip, something as a weighted element. Cause you know, in the mm-hmm. races we need grip and we're carrying heavy things. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> it's happening. <laughs> yeah. Oh yeah. No way around that. <laughs> awesome. So I want to just talk a little bit about, um, maybe your philosophy and, and strategies that you implement with training. Um, but I always love to ask other coaches, what do you think? And I know you might disagree with the term I'm about to use, but what do you think are some bigger mistakes that people make in their training program? Yeah, the word mistakes. Yeah, no, I, um, <laughs> I don't feel, I think the only mistake is not moving. <laughs> mm-hmm. If you're doing something, you're, you're accomplishing something. No. So, I think that there's a lot of emphasis nowadays on setting up the obstacles and just saying, hey, this is like what you're going to see on course. You need to be able to move through it, do it, right? Um, But I like to take a look at an obstacle and break the movement down or the mechanics that are necessary to complete the obstacle uh, and then perform exercises that are going to strengthen those muscles, if it makes sense. Progress somebody to be able to get through the obstacle instead of just, hey, there's the obstacle, like go and jump. You see a six-foot wall, right? And you say, mm-hmm. jump up to that wall and climb over it and land safely. <laughs> You're kind of like, <laughs> okay, well, let's not, let's not hurt anyone's ankles. Let's make sure they have the strength to do that. So being yeah. able to understand, you know, different exercise routines that will strengthen the muscles necessary to safely jump from the ground to safely grab onto the wall, to safely pull over the wall. And then for me on that one, most importantly, let's land safely, mm-hmm. you know, avoid ankle injuries, uh, focus on training someone to be able to decelerate and catch their own body weight. Um, so if that answers your question, I feel there's more than just go and perform an obstacle. I feel like there yeah. should be a huge emphasis on progressing someone to that. Yeah. Yeah. And I'll, I'll share a quick story and I, I may have shared this on the podcast before, but we, we have a few obstacles, We're not crazy, but, um, uh, it, between obstacle course racing and like Ninja warrior training, we had a couple clients that were, you know, training for that type of stuff. So we needed to build some things. And when we first got our pegboard, that was something I looked at and I'm like, I don't remember the last time I did a pegboard after we had it put in and I'm like, I can do this. No problem. And I have good grip strength, good upper body strength. And I got up there and I couldn't do it. And I'm like, oh, my God, like, what's going on? I just couldn't do it, couldn't do it. So, you know, I fell into the trap of I'm going to do this all the time. And the, the obstacle became my training. And what happened was I was doing it all the time. My elbows were killing me. My shoulders were killing me. And it turned in, now I can't do this at all. And it's like I could have I practiced the obstacle, but I couldn't. I don't want to make that my training because I fell into that trap. And now I can't do anything. Now I have to take some time off because my elbow is just so messed up. And when I took the time off, recovered, and then just focused on, well, what do I need to get stronger at this? Work on that. Every once in a while, check in, test it on the pegboard, and then all of a sudden I got it. And I didn't destroy myself in the process. And, you know, that was my personal lesson, reminder, hey, you know, you know this stuff, and sometimes it's hard to practice. But, yeah, it's the obstacles are, are fine. You know, practice them, but not train on them. And I think that's right. a, a, exactly what you're trying to say here. 
Yeah, absolutely. If we spend more time, and I had that happen to my elbow as well. I did the same thing. I was like, I see these monkey bars, and I see four foot, you know, gaps. I see six foot gaps. I want to start mm-hmm. transferring all over the place. And yeah. same thing happened to my right elbow. And then I did. I took time off. I recovered, uh, and then I focused on a lot of stabilization exercises to strengthen connective tissues, you know, um, and then worked my way into being able to transfer into, you know maintain through that wear and tear on those joints yeah yeah i completely agree yeah and then there's always the fact what happens when they get rid of that obstacle and put a new one in and then now you're going to build another one to you know get throw out your whatever and then your olympus and now put in whatever new obstacle they're going to have in there so um yeah i just i we hear that a lot of coaches say the same thing that the emphasis has become the obstacles and we just have to be careful because that can lead to a lot of, of different issues. Um, uh-huh. And then, uh, and I loved you brought up landing and deceleration. And I think that's such a big part of programming. And again, probably something that most people don't even pay attention to, right? Because mm-hmm. they'll, they forget that that's probably one of the most common injuries. It's just coming down off of something. You get through it, you did it, you accomplished it, and then you lose focus or just didn't think about it and you jump down that wall and now your ankle's done and you can't finish the race or you're limping the rest of it. And um, So uh, I'm assuming there's some good stuff in the in this program on deceleration, landing mechanics, and things like that. Yeah, we don't discuss uh, a lot on the uh, philosophy in the background, background of you know deceleration and things, but the programming incorporates movement that yeah. are going to help people strengthen their bodies appropriately for the obstacles, yeah. for sure. Yeah. 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 Awesome. Um, yeah. So one thing I definitely wanted to bring up. So I see you've chosen to donate a portion of the proceeds to the Oscar Mike Foundation. Can you just tell a little bit more about that? Yes, absolutely. So. Um, You can find more information on their website, but just to give you kind of a quick glimpse, the Oscar Mike Foundation provides injured veterans the opportunity to redefine themselves through physical activity uh, instead of traveling towards the sometimes, you know, dreary alternative. Um, So the founder, Noah Courier, was involved in a life-altering accident just after finishing his tour as a U.S. Marine. He found himself again, though, when he had an invitation to go skiing on the top of a mountain. I believe it was in Colorado. Um, and you know, it changed his world. He thought that he wasn't going to be able to be active. Um, and someone had given him the opportunity to discover that that wasn't the case. So he actually was a part of a rugby tournament out on the East coast and was talking with uh, some of the other adaptive athletes and, you know, found a common ground, found this new energy, found this new reason to, you know, um, just believe that that he could stay active and when talking with them you know he asked when the next tournament was going to be and you know they explained they didn't really know because they essentially couldn't afford the travel to make it happen and he decided that that wasn't wasn't going to be a problem for people anymore and he formed the Oscar Mike Foundation out of his uh, garage with a few friends and it continues to grow uh, and you know they have a compound here in Illinois where they allow injured veterans to fly in for a three-day workshop. And during those three days, they experience life-altering, um, you know, adrenaline-rushing activities from driving, you know, UTVs to kayaking, to go skydiving, you know, things that are going to just re-energize that spark that they may <laughs> thought that they were going to lose, you know? Yeah. Um, 
so it's just it's an incredible incredible foundation and i'm happy to be able to support it through the the sales of these books oh that's so awesome cool so um so how can listeners pick up a copy uh so you can go to ocrtraining.com uh it is my website you can pick up a copy there you can also pick up a copy on amazon.com and I'm working out right now uh, international sales because I have had a few requests from Switzerland and some other countries for mm-hmm. people to get copies, nice. which is very exciting. Yeah, it's yeah, very exciting. Yeah. Cool. And it, it, it's uh, still on pre-order right now? Pre-order now. Um, yeah, it's just pre-ordered through the 3rd of November. Uh, delivery will be the week of Thanksgiving. And any pre-orders right now receive a free Oscar Mike t-shirt so that we can support nice. their cause. Awesome. Cool. Uh, cool. And Yes. Awesome. So, but when this is released, yeah, uh, this will probably be early November when this is released. So, um, so I'll put links in the show notes, uh, show notes for uh, how they can pick up a copy. But I think most of our listeners are familiar with Amazon and, and can figure that out. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. Um, One more note that I want to say because we talk about movement patterns and you know the fear of the unknown. It's like you open this book and you see these workouts, and you know you may question some of the movements. You know what. Some people know what an air squat is. Some people don't. Uh, But something like an inchworm walkout, bear crawls, how do we perform them? What's great about this is that in the back of the book, there is a movement glossary um, that people will be able to, via QR code, access a YouTube video with video demonstration of all the movements in the book. So there's 100 videos on YouTube right now. Again, it's through QR code. So it's a simple download from your app store, uh, and you'll be able to... I can't... I cannot... Guarantee it's a blockbuster performance on all videos. (laughs) (laughs) But there is a movement demonstration for everything that's in here. And if anyone has questions, like I'm more than happy to to help someone out. Perfect. And and before we end this too, I know you mentioned uh, it's not just the book, it's it's not just the movement glossary, but it is a an interactive community too, which is a pretty unique aspect of of this whole thing. Yes, I would love for people to join the Facebook interactive community. I want to hear about success stories. I want to hear what people have going on. If they need motivation, if they need advice, you know, there's somewhere where people can come together and share that. So you'll have access via the QR code on one of the inside pages of the book. Um, and if you would just like to go and be a part of the community, it's going to be the OCRtraining.com Facebook community. And it can be found on any search through Facebook. Awesome. Awesome. And that, that's such a cool part of this because, I mean, I think we're all guilty of getting a book, reading it, and then putting it on the shelf and kind of forgetting it. And this makes it so much more uh, motivating or, or just something to hold you accountable where you read it, you're following the workouts, but then there's this extra piece that's continuing, uh, continuing to grow with other people. And as soon as you bring yep. at least one other person in, you're so much more likely to grow with it and progress and invite other friends and family in there. Absolutely. That was the idea. You know, you buy one for yourself, you buy one for your friend for Christmas, you guys commit and and participate together. And it's just, you know, you spread the ripple sort of mentality. Awesome. Awesome. So uh, before I let you go, just a couple quick questions that I just love asking everyone that comes on. Uh, What's your favorite obstacle? Oh, you you know, pick one. Really, my favorite obstacle. I'm going to have to just pick the spear throw. All right. I'm going to have to go with the spear. It has caused so many issues in my, <laughs> my placement in races. 
So I came home one time from, when was it? It was Arizona 2014, and I had a, uh, an interesting experience where I was coming up on second place. I threw the spear. She had missed it, so she was doing burpees. I throw the spear. I miss it. So we're both doing burpees. And I was just out of my mind, wasn't thinking. Someone else was counting my burpees, and they said, go, 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 go. So I did, and I ran and went to the hotel, came back. I remember Robert Coble came up to me, and he said, Sarah, you did 27 out of 30 burpees. And I said, <laughs> no, I didn't. <laughs> he says, yes, oh, you no. did. Come here, watch the film. Yeah. Oh. So, so we did. We watched the film, and sure enough, I did 27 out of 30 burpees. And I'm like, you've got to be kidding me. It was 30 seconds per burpee. That I didn't do. It dropped me from second place to fifth place. I oh, returned no. home, visited the local farmer, picked up a hay bale, and threw spears <laughs> for like three weeks straight. The neighbors had to think I was crazy. I'm like, your dog's safe. I promise your children are safe, <laughs> but I am not going to miss this obstacle again. So, um, yeah, and knock on wood, I've had success with it ever since then. So, uh, I'm going to go with the spear throw. Awesome. <laughs> and, you know, that's one too where when you hit it, it's like, everything before that doesn't matter you could have done 10 miles you it's just like a fresh start you, you can sprint it? out of there you, you have so you much adrenaline yeah. yes <laughs> you're so energized when you hit the spear i completely agree yeah. uh, awesome <laughs> all right so uh, i have to follow up with least favorite oh least favorite um cricket cricket <laughs> i don't know <laughs> I don't know that I have a least favorite obstacle. Right. I find challenge in every single one. I love them. Yeah. I love it. All right. Awesome. And then I have to ask one last question. So mother hey, of can't. two, <laughs> how do you find time for all of this? Wrote a book, have a business, train, any secrets? Because I know not just moms, dads, it's hard. And any secret super tip that you might have um, it is super challenging I try my hardest to stick to the same type of schedule because I think we find that we we absolutely need that quality time with our children they deserve it we deserve it we want it you know so dedicating that time and truly being focused on just being present in that moment uh, allows me to move on from in the morning they get ready for school then it's mom time for work, right? So I'm heads down into whatever work tasks that I have to complete. Um, and then, you know, in the afternoon, it's it's prepping for the evening. It's getting ready for classes. Then when they get home, it's take care of them. Then it's go to the gym and coach. Then it's come home and it's prep for dinner. And it's just, uh, it's a reoccurring thing. But trying to stay present in the moment is, is all I can say is really helped me over these past few months, especially because they know that mommy's got big plans, you know, like yeah, I have yeah. this big vision for not only this book, but the other volumes and the couch to course program, OCRtraining.com in general, like there's, there's big plans here and they're super supportive. I just communicate with them and let them know what's going on and yeah, keep right. on keeping. <laughs> all right. Awesome. Uh, well, thank you so much for coming on. Everybody, uh, make sure you check out the show notes and you can check out all the links uh, where to pick up a copy of, of the book and you're helping out a great cause and then you're going to help yourself get a little bit better for, for your next race or your next race season. So thank you so much for coming on. Yeah, thanks for having me, Mike. All right, guys. Well, that's going to do it for episode 43 of the OCR Underground Show. Thank you so much, as usual, for tuning in. I want to give a special thanks to our guests, 
SGX coach Allison Rosales for giving us a great race recap for the Big Bear Spartan Beast and Sprint Weekend, and also in our coach's corner, coach Sarah Posdol for just giving us some great insight into her training philosophies and discussing her book with us. Again, check out the show notes at OCR ocrunderground.com slash episode dash 43 and you can check out all the show notes um, learn where you can pick up a copy of coach sarah's book and anything else that was mentioned in this show uh, so until next time want to wish you guys good luck in your next race and keep training smarter i'll be back soon with another awesome episode